Greetings, fellow Earthlings, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of And Another Thing with Dave. This is part four of six in a six-part series in a conversation with one of the founders of Anonymous. We go deep down the rabbit hole. I hope you enjoy the conversation. All right, let's get into it. I did a summer, I did a summer in a Quantico camp with uh, computer analytics, computer, you know, interview interrogation, terrorism interrogation, um, stuff like that. And um, it wasn't for me, you know what I mean? And then, uh, you know, I have my degree in forensic psychology, advanced psychology, blah, 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 my master's in sociology, whatever. And um, my cousin, on the other hand, he, he did like, what is it? Uh, CLEP courses where you just like pay for like three credits at a time, whatever the fuck it was. Anyway, we grew up, we're like brothers. He became an NYPD officer. He was in, um, what was he? He started off in transit. Him and I actually, we're going to go see the academy together. The academy starts on a Tuesday, but when you do your uh, evaluation, I went through my psychological and it's pretty fucking stupid. I mean, like, you know, and I know psychology very, relatively well. And I pretty much called out my psychologist of being an alcoholic and a wife abuser. And he was completely stymied. And he was just like, what the fuck? And he's like, I thought he was going to fucking dismiss me. But he said, he's, I'm an excellent candidate. I was supposed to be in a fast track program. And the fast track program in the NYPD, what to do is they put you in a, in a blue program, in which they, uh, you, you become like an officer, like or detective right away, or a suit, or no clothes, um, or regular clothes, or whatever they call it, uh, plain clothes. They call it. Mm-hmm. So we went through it at the same time, whatever, and uh, we did. You know, we finished. We finished the uh, uh, the assessment about like three seconds apart. He beat me by like, three seconds or whatever. I remember sitting there, you know, and I was in Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn, and I was like throwing up. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if I could do this. And he's like, yeah, this is what it's about, you know what I mean? And like, you could see like the fucking NYPD Hall of Fame and all that stuff like that. And it's really exciting. And you get, yo, they, they do the best job to build you up to be like this NYPD officer. And like, I could see how they get you. You know what I mean? They fill you with the glitz and glam. And so. Yeah. The, 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 what was it? The academy starts on a Tuesday, and I was supposed to start on a Tuesday, on a July. They do January's in July. And that Sunday, I called my investigator because when you go through the process, you got to go through an investigator program. And so my investigator, her, her name was Investigator Young. She was this really fat Jamaican lady who just like hated life. And I could understand because it's probably hard, you know, to wipe your ass. When you're 1,000 pounds, you know what I mean. You're a pig, and uh, you know, you know. She says, "I, you know, apparently you want to put you in a fast track program." Blah 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 blah. I don't think it's good. Blah 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 blah. You know, just you know, shit talking you. That's what the, the, the whole point. If you look at, have you ever seen Full Metal Jacket? Oh yeah. All right, so it's like they just basically shit on you. Meanwhile, like you're, you're like gold. So I'm like, yeah, whatever, bitch. And so. That Sunday, I called my investigator and he said, you know what, I'm not going to do it. 
I'm not going to do it. You know what? Because I've seen way too many movies to see that, uh, you know, fucking John McClane was divorced. Uh, Sipowitz was like depressed. Every NYPD officer never went home to their family, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to solve the big case just to be a schmuck with a badge. I don't care. It doesn't matter because I don't want to do that. I want to have a family. I want to have an opportunity to be with my family. You're missing an opportunity. This is blah, blah, blah. I'm like, hey, you know, go fuck yourself. Anyway, fast forward, you know, the first time down here, 2005, my cousin's on the job. It becomes like this, like, rising star. I come down to Costa Rica with, like, fucking 12 different NYPD officers, detectives, whatever, you know, like, drugs, whatever. And, dude, I tell you, the raunchiest bastards ever, prostitution, drinking, drugs, whatever you could think of, man. Vicious dudes. And I'm like, you know, but they're cool fucking guys. Don't get me wrong, you know what I mean? I remember going to a, a, a whorehouse in Brooklyn. And these guys are banging these girls out, like, you know, because if they didn't bang them out for the lowest common denominator, they'll go to jail. It was oh, like yeah. such a fucking and not only that, I witnessed my cousin in Brooklyn. Um you know, fucking fucking arrest a panhandler for selling CDs and then selling the CDs himself. He was a crooked cop, dude. And I'm telling you this because it's like, it's fucked up, man. It's like, you want to believe the police are dope, but it's like, there's some guys who want to be like fucking Steve Rogers. But the majority, especially like growing up in an NYPD family with cousins and uncles and uncles a captain, you know, even going back to the Serpico time, it's like the majority, I would say about 70% of them are fucking dirty. Not that they want to be dirty, but it's influential. And you don't get paid that much. I think at the time when I was starting, I think it was like 32000 I mean, That's not a lot of money. You know, working like fucking 12-hour shifts. Going to Fort Apache in the Bronx. It's like, you know, whatever. And you, and you see some guys who really want to make a difference. But they take advantage of those dudes. And I feel, and my cousin was always a, a, a slimy guy. I remember we were like 16 years old. I was walking around. We were in Elmont in Long Island, if anybody knows Elmont. There was some like, you know, some drunken fucking allele on the ground passed out. You know what I mean? And my cousin basically said, he was like, you know, I'm the police. Took his wallet, whatever. And fucking, he stole like the 60 bucks that this guy had so we could go to some nightclub. We were like 17, 16 at the time. I'm like, wow, my cousin's a fucking dirtbag. And but the thing is, it like it actually went forward into who he was as a person, as a cop, as a person that the people believe when you hear this I bleed blue shit. You know what I mean? This is the guy you bleed blue for. You know, I remember going to a place in Brooklyn where he met up with this rookie and he banged this chick who was a rookie. Uh, in in the parking lot of the fucking precinct, right in the car, while I was sitting there with her fat cousin, and I'm like, dude, this is like disgusting. This is not what. And right there, I'm like, you know, I I decided to hack the NYPD. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
You know what I mean? And I, I think I let off like 127 fucking low-level criminals with marijuana and stuff like that. Like, we ended up wiping the database and stuff like that. But there are a lot of happy people. But it showed me, like, dude, if somebody's so low-level, like, when you think of the NYPD, like, when you think of, like, hacking or when you think of, like, manipulation or anything like that, like, there's some bigger person involved. But when it comes to, like, low-level degenerate people, it's it's it gets scary. It's like letting Bobo run fucking, you know, a guy, a guy, a guy with no with an IQ of fucking ten, run your life, and that's what a lot of these guys are, and it's yeah. frightening. You know what I mean? And I I remember when William Bratton took over LAPD, you know, and uh, I remember saying to myself when I was in school, I'm like, yo, William Bratton's the fucking man. You know what I mean? Like he was like. An aficionado of cops that, you know, he wanted to be more proactive and reactive. And in L.A., completely changed his fucking perspective. And, you know, especially down in Watts and shit like that in Oakland. And, like, it was just, there's differences in, in the West Coast and East Coast that you can't fix. And sometimes, like, dude. At the end of the day, when you decide to go into a government official thing, you just have to worry about your family, regardless of like if you're looked at as the fucking heel. You need to make sure that your family is okay, and um, that's the scary thing. And you know, being part of Anonymous, being one of the original members of Anonymous, my goal. My team's goal was to make sure that people did not have these problems. You know what I mean? And so even even like cops that they thought they were dirty, like we gave them a way out. You know what I mean? We gave them like silent retribution where they could sue their police officers or they could sue the NYPD. There's been over, I think, uh, $78 million that have been dispersed by the NYPD, LAPD, Chicago PD, Miami-Dade County PD, silently by us from police officers who wanted to get out because of the proper things that we're doing. And if we're fucking Robin Hoods and we're Robin Hoods, but these men and women are protected for the rest of their lives because they chose not to do what they wanted to do because they did not believe in the blue. They did not hide behind a blue wall of silence. They did not believe in justice the way that these people believed in justice. And therefore, if I go to jail tomorrow, I'll be happy with the fuck that I did or what we did because these men and women are actually able to survive based on a conscious decision that they did that they were not going to abuse black Hispanic women or black Hispanic males or Indian women or Indian males or whatever it may be. Like, we did the right thing. And okay, for some reason, absolutely. And we were always watching. The thing about that is the computers are always watching, dude. No matter what you're watching on the internet, dude, even if that little green light or blue light on your phone isn't watching, we're watching. You need You, you, under, you have to understand that. With Android, especially, especially with iPhone, somebody is always listening and watching. People are like, oh, I want to 
Oh, fucking Alexa. Alexa's, like, listening to me. Like, yo, you're being listened to all around, my dude. The yeah, shit that you phone. watch, even, even, even if you, even if you think you're cute and you want to, like, you know, have a, uh, a tour, a tour proxy or a DuckDuckGo or whatever the fuck it is. Like, bro, it's not that easy. With your shitty VPN. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, yo, your VPN is vulnerable. Human beings are vulnerable. There's always a kink in the chain. And that's what I tell everybody. No matter what yeah. you think you do on the internet, there is always a kink in the chain. No matter what. I mean, the the, the word that we used to say back in like 2007, eight maybe nine is that like yo at the end of the day Achilles died right you have to remember that yeah not long ago I watched this documentary um, somewhere on YouTube but it was with one of the founders of the Silk Road and um, actually it was with the FBI agent it was the Lex Friedman podcast that's what it was and he was interviewing the fbi agent that took down the silk road and um and apparently there were two heads of the silk road and he became really like best friends with one of them the guy that just did the hacking but then there was this other guy who was like ruthless gangster and you know he wasn't down with that guy but uh but he said exactly what you said you know there is no hiding you know we will find you eventually unless you're gonna do you know, I don't even know how you do that, but you ping from server to server to server, like, unless you're going to be doing that shit. But if you're just trying to use, you know, a different fucking browser, yeah, come on, no. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude, I mean, you're talking about Chris, uh, let me see, uh, what's his fucking name? I forget the guy's name. It was Chris Tarnbull. It, it, it was, I remember it because I remember when it happened. It was Chris Tarnbull. Uh, Tom Kiernan and Matt Edmond. You know what I mean? And those dudes, I mean, they took down, you know, okay, so with the Silk Road, I, I remember, I, like, I, I'm going to tell you an honest, funny fucking story. I didn't know, Jer you know, I know Jersey's on, I know, uh, was it Zancia? Zancia. Zancia, can you give us a like or something or something? Are you listening? Oh, yeah, he's listening. Let us know, know you're not a bot or something like that. Can you give us like a no, snowball or something? She's a friend of yours? Yeah. Oh, it's no, a guy? Cool. Yeah, he's cool, dude. Okay. All right, Zancia, you're the shit, apparently. Thank you. All right, so about <laughs> Silk Road. So, so check this out. So, I remember I was in um, Pendleton to hide. I was in East Meadow, Long Island. On with Silk Road, there was an, an opportunity for like, I think it was like uh, 0.5 Bitcoin or some shit like that. It was like something ridiculous. And we hired Hitman. We hired Hitman to take out um a person named. A person named um uh Lippitz um God damn it Lippitz 
Lippold Shippitz. It was a fake name. doesn't matter. But it was at the Apollo Diner on Merrick Avenue in Long Island. And Lippold Shippolds or whatever worked there. And apparently Lippold Shippolds was like a big arms dealer. Obviously Lippold Shippolds didn't exist. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So being in East Meadow, Long Island at the time, my team and I, I'll tell you about that in a minute. Those six of us. Um, we ended up on January 21st, 1998, 1999, sorry. Uh, before Silk Road was like really sick, so you know, Silk Roll or Silk Road, it was, it was something different. And it happened again in 2004. But there was this no, no shit, dude. There was this guy out there who was paid, who was promised uh, $15,000 from this entity, which we created. Because at that time, you could create anything, dude. Like, you could make your bank account look whatever. You could, like, it was, everything was fake. You know. And uh, I think a fleet bank was still around. Um, I think it was fleet bank. And no shit, there was this fucking dude we walked into the Apollo Diner, and there was this dude, no joke, dressed as like fucking Hitman from PS4, PS2, whatever, <laughs> waiting there. He had the gloves on, drinking a coffee, and I remember telling my friend, um, Got the Life, his name was. Like, holy shit, we really did it. Like, this guy's ready to kill some, you know, random dude. Because at the time, it's like you do the job, you get paid. You know, you don't get paid first and then do the job. It's like you got the job, it gives some thirsty people. Turns out that the, that the, the dude was part of the Nassau County Police Department. Whoa. Fuck yeah, dude. The story gets even creepier later later on. I'll explain that in a minute. So this dude was there, and we, we were giggling our asses off. You know what I mean? We're kids. You know what I mean? And we're laughing. We're like, what the fuck? And, you know, and uh, I remember Got the Life, my friend was like, he walked by him, and he was like, they didn't show up. So this guy was like very butthurt about everything. And he followed us around, bro, for like two months, dude. It was fucking scary. And it was like, yo, this guy's like a fucking like a Nassau County Police Department guy. So in nineteen late like late nineteen ninety nine, my high school girlfriend, I broke up with her after like three years or whatever, and uh two thousand like one or something like that. Um her and I started talking again or whatever. She was dating this other dude from the Nassau County Police Department. Anyway, it turned out to be his former partner. And he pulled me over one night just for shits and gigs. And there, yo, dude, I literally almost shit my pants. Like, I thought it was over for me. Anyway, so he basically told me not to fuck around or whatever like that. And jokes aren't, like, serious. So, like, I was like, oh, my God, lols. This is funny. Anyway, 
So this guy ended up uh, Detective Such and Such ended up going like on a fucking we we sent him on like a fucking uh, uh, a wild goose chase in uh, if anybody knows Long Island out there in uh, Hempstead, Long Island, and uh, he ended up he ended up bagging somebody really prominent. I think it was like $2.8 million worth of heroin. And it worked out of, um, I think the people worked out of like, with like, do you like rap music or no? A little bit. You know what Public Enemy is and Busta Rhymes and shit like that? Oh, fuck yeah. All right. So it came out of Hempstead. So it worked out like, you know, people's that knew Busta Rhymes and Public Enemy or like, yeah, Public Enemy. Was from Roosevelt, but um, Buster Rhymes from Uniondale, but um, it ended up being like a big fucking deal. And long story short, dude, it was just like an accident, <laughs> and this guy ended up being like, you know, a pretty good deal based on our fucking based on our inquiries and our uh, suggestions, and it, it became like this this thing that just disappeared from the media, like disappeared. It was the most bizarre thing ever. It was like $2.8 million for a Nassau County cop. But he ended up disappearing. Fucking bizarre. Dude, I have so many stories, man, about this. And it's like when people think of anonymous, they think of these schmucks that go out there and leave these stupid ass videos with their bad voice to uh, voice or whatever recognition and it's like come on dude anonymous is gay it's, it's so bad now it's so bad but i don't know I, i've talked too much i mean like what about you like what, what are your insights on things oh man i don't know I'm just um We're in a crazy place, headed to an even crazier place, but it's been a long time coming, and it blows me away that people can't see it, that some people, you know, still believe the mainstream media, and they they get, you know, distracted by the day-to-day stories and don't see the bigger picture of what's going on behind the scenes, you know. 9-11 was a perfect example. Ukraine's another great example. COVID's another great example. It's bizarre. A lot of people don't even don't even want to dig deep to ask how COVID was created. They're just like, well, I just, I hope we can stay safe. Okay, so stay afraid. Stay in reactionary mode. Now the plan worked. Oh, yeah. It's 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 perfectly set up. It's perfectly set up for people to respond the way they need to respond. I mean, hold on a second. Let me see what Madre Moon has to say. Let me see what uh. Actually, uh, there are states, even cities, that require um, law enforcement officers to have a bachelor's degree before they can even be considered as a police officer recruit. Yeah. Oh, there, that's right. I watched another great documentary about it was about this guy who got this reporter. I think it was a reporter. It might have just been some dude who wanted to make a name for himself by taking down Anonymous. 
Um, I got a weird echo. And then, so this guy got this guy got hacked, destroyed, his bank account emptied, like, you know, <laughs> hung out to dry. It was awesome. I mean, but here's the thing, if I may. Um, when you have to buy ransomware, you're not a hacker. I mean, like, for example, if I were to sit there and say, hey, uh, Zancia, let's let let's have a conversation, and you and I have like a week conversation, a, a week long conversation. What mm-hmm. would happen now with that conversation? I would show you how to not only create your own ransomware, malware, whateverware, ransomware, but you do it in such an an eloquent matter manner that nobody would ever know it was you to the point where you'd be there and be like i don't know what happened and you would like fucking just cash out on the dividends and so when i see people like buying malware buying you know uh, ransomware buying trojans that leads to me that they're just thirsty people it's like it's like being caught it's like i think of um uh, uh, and kill Bill when she's stuck in the fucking uh, uh, the coffin trying to punch her way out. Right. Those right. are lo- those are low level hackers. Hackers are always ten steps ahead of the game, and what they'll do is they'll utilize the weak or people who want to know more for their benefit mm-hmm. to be part of their bot mm-hmm. army. And that's never been my team's thing. We always are like. Listen, man, if you want to do this, you do this right and not just be a part of like some shit league. Because at the no, end of the day, I, it's uh, like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, well, so, you know, what we did, well, I mean, we've done some pretty fucking crazy hacks. I mean, we, for example, when Lulsec, when Lulsec was doing the uh, Westboro Baptist Church, right? Uh, I don't know if you guys know who that is. Um, yeah, they they hated gays and they were doing whatever and everything like that. And they were like, hateful, really bad. Hateful. The worst people. So we went against Lulsec. And at the time, the truth is, this is the real truth. And, you know, I hope that um, anybody who's listening to this or will listen to this will understand the truth. We were a conglomerate. We were six people, and we were initially called. Um, in fact, one of our laptops are in the Spy Hall of Fame um, or a Spy Museum. Uh, we were initially called the Jester. In fact, our ransomware is actually in season two, episode one, I believe, of uh, Mr. Robot. So we were called the Jester. The real jester, the guy that everybody loves, like he's like a patriot or whatever, he's not the real jester. We actually sold our handle to him for $10,000. He was a patriot. He was a Marine, actually. And um, one of our guys, I don't know if you were listening, um, uh, Zancy, he's he's the guy that is actually ghost in Call of Duty. 
That's the real ghost. Oh, cool. um, he's an American. Um, anyway, long story short, it's like we 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 sold our handle because things were getting too hot, and it was one of our last hacks. Anyway, long story short, we created this ransomware, and it ended up showing up Mr. Robot, which was dope. But he ended up taking the credit because obviously, if we accept the credit, we most of us would go to jail. But um, uh, two of us are still alive out of the six. The four were murdered. Um, truth. Those are truth. One of them was uh, killed in Morocco. Um, one of them was killed in Long Island. Um, I could go on and on, but this this is the world no, that you, we live in. We, um, we had actually a guy yeah. on here who was claiming to be, um, who was who his name was Bad Bunny, and he was claiming to be the Bad Bunny, and it was just like, dude, shut up. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, it was really bad. Well, it was because yeah. Well, he got he got uh, he uh, he uh, started doing stuff, saying he was all this and that. Um, he uh, he got caught like within uh, an hour. Ah. Oh my! Oh god. no! We we because he um he uh he gave crap to the wrong person and the. Uh, Another person who knew what they were doing found him and tracked him down and found pretty much every place where he lives except for what street he's on. Dude, that's the best thing to do. I mean, see, with with like with me, like you know, I'm kind of like retired, so it's like there's no point, you know. I what what, what we've done, like we never hurt anybody. You know what I'm saying? Like we've. Oh yeah, I know that. We. So it's like we, you know, at the end of the day, all we wanted to do was actually give truth and freedom to people, you know. And the fact that one of our one of one person on our squad was like, you know, a former SEAL, um, we just wanted to right. like be honest to people. You know what I mean? So it's like when I see these hackers out there, like like when we see the jester, and I remember like the whole jester insignia. I'll tell you exactly, the jester insignia was created. November 17th, 1998, in a bedroom in East Meadow, New York. And I'll never forget when we were just like fucking around with it. And one of our guys at the time, may soul rest in peace, his name is Quinn. Uh, he's one of our guys. Um, he was He was probably one of the most remarkable human beings um to ever walk the face of the earth very you know introverted sweet man sweet kid you know he listens to like you know 311 one of those guys you know like somebody that you would see like in a mall and you would never expect that he was this master programmer but at the end of the day he was like this person that like felt for humanity more than anybody and there was this mm -hmm. one video that we saw and I, and we saw this video from Africa and it was this kid. He had to be about nine or 10 years old. And I remember it so vividly, like it brings me to tears. And this kid was being dragged out. He was grabbed out by his arm by this older gentleman and his shoulder separated. So, you know, like when your shoulder separates, like your arm just kind of waggles there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So he dragged this this young African kid out, man. And I remember forget like he he was wearing like like do you guys watch Harry Potter? No. 
I've seen enough of it. All right, so if you think of Dobby, right, and if you think of like you know the outfit he was wearing, like like, mm-hmm. uh, and so he was like wearing his pillow sheet thing, and his, and he like drew them on the back of his flatbed, and then he dragged him back out because the kid was screaming for his parents. And uh, dude, this is like before dark web and everything like that, and this kid had to be about like eleven years, twelve years old, and. He fucking dragged him back out, pulled his leg, and the kid itself that pulled him out had to be about 14. Mm. And he was, like, under the guise of whatever. And anyway, so he dragged him by his leg maybe about, like, 20 yards. And so he threw them into the side dish. So picture this dirt road on the side, and, like, this dirt road on the side is like a, a divot, like a, like a ditch, semi mm-hmm. kind of dry grass. And he threw this kid in there and he fucking shot him. You know, and I'll never forget sitting there and I'll never forget, you know, my reaction. I'll never forget our reaction as a, as a, as a team because when you, when you first start hacking, it's really fun. Like you see the movie Hackers and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, you could like, you know, turn the lights green and you could. You know, one of the, our big things was like, you know, changing our friends who worked at McDonald's and Hempstead Turnpike in East Meadow um, to like $17.65 an hour. You know what I mean? It's like ridiculous. And it was funny and, and googly. But when you see shit like that, man, shit gets very real very fast. Because you'll never know yep. how dark people are. And it was at that moment that, like, you know, our friend Quinn was like, yo, this can't fucking happen. We got to do something more. And then we started fucking just hacking into, like, who they were a part of. And they were part of the, like, you know, the Saudi regime, who was backed by the Iraqi regime, who was backed by, um, it was Saudi. It was, um, uh, it was Zimbabwe backed by. It was Zimbabwe backed by Saudi, backed by, uh, you know, their levels to this shit. And so we ended up just intercepting a lot of funds from one of the princes of um, Saudi Arabia. Hardwire, which I was telling Dave about earlier. And um, we ended up following the money and sending it to like a Christian fucking, I I don't know the number of figures, I think it was like 3.5 million. Or some shit gotcha. like that, but, they, but then exploiting it, you know, to like, you know, um, not only the World Health Organization, like, you know, um, you know, the world police and um, shit was shut down re- relatively fast. Interpol. You know, I don't want to be like to like fucking flat out about it, but all right, you know, so. Sweden um, contacted um, there, there was a private email. I don't know if you remember the Pop the Race, the old school Pop the Race. If you're if you're into that, um, okay, go ahead. Through, through, through AOL, remember AOL? Um, oh yeah. So it was Pop Three through AOL, and uh, there was actually a buzz. If if you were live around that time. When you used to log on to AOL Mail, they would have this like red lining, this red dot saying, 
or or read like of things basically saying like you know xyz happened like when you look at like aol news or anything like that because aol was like the shit at the time because we were so relatively new all we knew was aol right but but aol i was in i was in high school 95 so i hear you dude so you get it like netscape navigator right Mm -hmm. so it's like so bro so you knew aol was like the fucking shit so it's like that was the source so whenever uh-huh. any news broke, it was like this weird rectangular news box, right? And it was like, you know, there was this red lining saying XYZ happened. So anyway, long okay. story yep. short. Yeah, so long story short, man, we ended up um, accumulating a lot of, uh, I guess I would have to say traffic from that. But um, we ended up shutting down that whole operation. Like we ended up saving like I think it was like um, 1.3 million lives, but like when you're 17 years old, dude, you don't you don't you don't even realize that it doesn't hit you. Uh-huh. But it's like I, um, it's, it's, no, I'm saying it, it doesn't even hit you, and this is before not before the jerk the circle jerk anonymous thing. But it's like you, yeah. once you get into that once you get into that realm, bro, it's like. Holy fuck, dude, if I could help people, you know what I mean? So then it was like, you know, back in the day when you wanted to play computer games with people, we'd go up and sell up an LAN, you know, in somebody's house. Yep. You know what I mean? And be and nerded out. Land parties, yep. Bro, land parties were the best. You know what I mean? There was a game called um oh Dork. My God. What? Dork. What'd you say? Or Zork, that's what it was. Zork. No, no, no. It was um it was one of the first games where, where if you got shot in the arm, you felt like you were shot in the arm. I can't think of the name of it. It was a bizarre game. It was, oh my God, it's going to kill me if I don't fucking remember. But anyway, we would sit there and fucking, you know, jerk off to that. But at the same time, it's like, yo, did you realize what we, you know, what we just did? Because at the same time, right around the corner, like literally less than 40 feet over there, there was a, um, uh, you know, a regular dial-up, you know, com- you know, a phone. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So it's like, so, you know, it was it was one of those things where we would learn how to freak phones and, and freak the internet and shit like that. We learned about freaking and shit like that. And um, Scream had just come out. We learned about, like, uh, voice changers and you know we wanted to be ahead of the technology especially like modding especially like modding ps ps you know remember on ps gotcha. like, people yeah so it's yeah. like yeah. I yeah go ahead go ahead i'm sorry i'm, I'm taking over well, i was saying you know, say, no I, i've i've had a ps1 i didn't i never i've seen the mod chips that they came out with them but i never got one put on mine Greetings, fellow Worthlings, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of And Another Thing with Dave. This is part four of six in a six-part series in a conversation with one of the founders of Anonymous. We go deep down the rabbit hole. I hope you enjoy the conversation. All right, let's get into it. <laughs> 